One of my enduring fascinations with the biblical text is the way in which it is always relevant to our situations. True, it rarely gives us answers, and further, we have many questions about life about which the text is silent. Yet there is always some emotional resonance, some way that it rhymes with our lives in the present day. This is particularly true for me of today's text in this season. Last week, we talked about the beginning of Jacob and Esau's story. Rebecca inquired of the Lord why the babies within her were fighting so, and God replied that there were two nations warring within her womb. One was stronger than the other, and the older would serve the younger. We saw evidence of that war brewing last week when Jacob tricked Esau into giving him Esau's birthright for a bowl of lentil stew. Between that story and today's text, Jacob lived up to his name of trickster yet again. Along with his mother, Jacob tricked his blind father into blessing himself, Jacob, instead of his brother Esau. And at this, Esau had had enough. His birthright and blessing both stolen by his younger twin, Esau was determined to kill Jacob as soon as his father died. Rebecca stepped in once more for her favored child and warned Jacob of Esau's intent. Jacob then fled toward Haran to avoid Esau's wrath. And that's where we pick up today's text. As I said last week, neither brother is one we ought to seek to emulate. Yet God meets Jacob in the direct aftermath of his usurping, where the effects of his trickery and thievery have cost him nearly everything. He's lost his ancestral home and all his filial relationships and must flee with nothing into the desert. The story of Jacob's ladder to heaven has inspired the imaginations of many. From movies to music to literature, the image of the dreaming Jacob's vision has wended its way into popular culture, and for good reason. There's something special about this story, something that gets deep into our bones. Perhaps it is the way in which it evokes a deep longing within us to know that God is here in this place. Let us turn to the text. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay it down in that place. I imagine Jacob's mind was reeling. He had tasted victory, what, just a few hours ago? He had secured the birthright. He had taken his father's blessing. Everything was about to come into his hands. But Esau... Esau was angry, enraged, angry enough to kill Jacob the moment their father died, and he was plotting. And in a heartbeat, Jacob's seeming security had been ripped from under his feet. The journey from Beersheba to Haran is about 500 miles, yet the text doesn't tell us that Jacob took anything with him for the journey. He was the son of a very rich man, so by rights, he should have taken a full caravan of slaves and animals and supplies to sustain him for this journey. But it appears that in his haste, he fled immediately upon his mother's word. So when the set had, sun had set one day, Jacob found a suitable stone for a pillow and lay down to sleep. That's when things started to get interesting. The text goes on. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up to the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. 
And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Jacob dreams that there's a staircase anchored on the ground and reaching into the clouds. The angels were walking up and down the ladder, and God stood beside Jacob and spoke. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and of Isaac. And this is important because in a henotheistic society in which there are many gods from whom to choose, one needed to know which God was speaking. The Lord's promises should be familiar to us since we have spent so much time with Abraham's story recently. Like his grandfather Abraham, the Lord tells Jacob that his offspring too shall be like the dust of the earth and that all families would be blessed through him. God promises to be with Jacob and bring him back to that very place. The Lord promises never to leave Jacob until the promise is kept. That is quite a dream. And Jacob clearly believed the dream to be true, for when he wakes, it goes on. Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. I love Jacob's reaction. Instead of thinking, wow, that was a crazy dream, must have had too much pizza for dinner, he woke up somewhat soberly saying, God is here and I was unaware. And I think that's a word for the church these days. Like Jacob, we fear for our lives. Like Jacob, it often takes extraordinary circumstances for us to notice what was always true. And like Jacob, we have a choice to proclaim, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Jacob goes on, this is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. What a profound theological statement Jacob makes here. This place right here is the house of God. This place in the middle of the desert all alone when I fear for my life, when I have no family to return to, when I have none of my creature comforts, when I know not what the future holds, this place is the house of God. And furthermore, this is the gate of heaven. A gate to heaven is an access point, a place where humans may touch the divine. In Jacob's dream, he saw angels ascending and descending the staircase, presumably to do God's work upon the earth. But it wasn't only the messengers of God Jacob saw in the dream. No, God stood next to Jacob and spoke promises to him. Jacob's dream was an example of what Fred Beekner called a thin place, a liminal space in which one feels one can reach out a hand and touch the filmy veil between earth and heaven. 
It was in this place, this ordinary place, that Jacob experienced the extraordinary. And in response to an extraordinary dream in that ordinary place, Jacob was inspired to take the stone on which he had laid his head and anoint it with oil, changing the place's name from a word meaning almond tree to a name meaning house of God. I think the idea of the house of God and the gate of heaven is super important in our contemporary moment. It reminds us that the house of God is not a building. It's about a stone. From an ordinary stone used as a pillow, pillow, to the cornerstone of our faith, to the living stones we are called to be, the house of God is becoming something new even now. So I wonder, how might we be freed to dream in this new season? What could the church universal become? What could Salem United Church of Christ become in this season? We are given a beautiful gift in this text, permission to grasp the promises of God who was always already with us. And secure in that knowledge, we are freed, freed to imagine the house of God as anywhere we have the imagination to see it, freed to dream with God in our everyday activities freed to reach through the veil that separates heaven and earth and find it no more substantial than a wisp of smoke or the leavings of a dream. Knowing God is in this place, in this very place, and in this moment, this very moment, that is where we find the freedom to be God's people, to do Christ's work, to feel the breath of the Spirit as we discern together who and what we are called to be in this new season. To be living stones anointed to do holy work. To do these things, my friends, is to call this place the house of God. Amen.